0: So welcome to another episode of Screw It, Just Do It With Me, Alex, and our guest today is is a friend of the show, Al Barrett, founder and CEO of Grenade, one of the fastest growing weight management, energy and lifestyle brands in the world, who also have the number one chocolate bar in the UK as well. So I think Al has been on maybe three times, similarly to Piers Linney, Sabrina Stocker, Lord Benamoria maybe. Uh, repeat guests of the show on multiple uh, occasions, and there's a reason for that. He's, he's got a fantastic story to tell. He's, he's founded, bootstrapped an incredibly successful brand in Grenade, and this was the first podcast that he came on to, to talk about selling the business, sold the business for over 200 million pounds, and he decided to come on the show to talk about it, which I'm certainly grateful for. The funny thing is, just to give you a bit of perspective on this episode, as we chatted for an hour recording the podcast, then we chatted for another hour afterwards. And Al said himself after, he said, I think that was better than the actual episode. We just talked about, we're so super relaxed. We talked about all sorts of things to do with, with life. He shared some great stories, was sending me Amazing pictures from the vaults of him with Richard Branson on Necker Island and we're sharing stories about Richard, who you know used to work for, for 17, 18, 19, maybe 20 years over two businesses, Virgin Atlantic and Virgin Startup. So he, he's an all-round great guy. Lots to be learned from, from Al. Eternally grateful for him to come in on this show multiple times to, to talk about it. We talked about a bunch of different things about wealth being a measure of success, but obviously not being the only barometer, about being able to share your success and help others is a good indication that you are successful in whatever venture you are on. And that in business, it's never about luck. It's all about timing. And you know what? For me, the older I get, the longer I'm in business, I totally subscribe to this. It really is about timing. And hence, you know, Al talking about the timing to sell the business, especially given that he started this business in the last recession, Back in 2009, we're about to go, already are in another one in the UK. So, you know, if you have that perfect moment in time, you have the first stone to being successful. But, you know, do not discount being hardworking, strategic, and being resilient, being able to take whatever life throws at you and and move on. And lastly, the key to building your business is building relationships. And look, for me, that's all about life as well. Success is all around building relationships about the people that you meet, about expanding your network. And, you know, if they like you, if they listen to you, then they'll trust you and they'll do business with you. That's how life works, folks. So without further ado, once again, screw it, just do it. Al Barrett. Well on the track to uh, becoming the Red Bull of sports nutrition, see what it did there, selling majority steak to to Mondelez, owner of uh, Cadbury's. Anything changed for the brand and personally for yourself since then? Or is it life just carried on as it was, but you now have, you know, deeper pockets to, you know, attack other countries with the brand gun? yeah literally
1: yeah it's been I think it's I mean it's been such a peculiar year I think that the changes I guess this year are probably more COVID related than deal related because I think it's kind of been business as usual really brand wise because you know we had private equity partners before so they left and then Mondelez came in I mean I've got to say you know they're the best partner that we could ever dream for and ever want we've definitely ever had No disrespect to anyone else, but um, yeah, you can imagine like, you know, sort of a a sister brand is Cadbury, it kind of hasn't quite sunk in yet. So incredible British brand and and institution. I think it's probably fair to say the nation's favourite brand. So we can't imagine better partners. Um, It's still very, very early days. For the first three or four months, we weren't really, we had to tread very carefully for a number of reasons. The CMA, which is like the competition uh, market authority, they were kind of, you know, all over every deal. So they have to make sure the deal can actually go ahead. So, and, and Mondelez weren't allowed to influence anything we were doing in any way until we got clearance from them. So got clearance there, I think, pretty much late July. So that, that kind of carried on. And, and I think because we've been working from home mostly since March last year, it, you know, we, we go into the office at strategic points and certain days and things like that. But I suppose we've kind of gone from working from home, you know, without Mondelez and then we've gone from working from home with Mondelez. So hasn't changed that much. But yeah, I mean, the, the potential now, is is frighteningly good in terms of what we could do so I think now for the, the, the nice thing here is here when we always had sort of private equity partners you've always got that kind of trade partner, the trade exit in mind who's it going to be when's it going to yeah. be do they want to do america do they not want to do america well you know india china and we, you know, we've we've been in over the stage of grenade you know 130 140 countries which we've always tried to refine and of course you know you can't you can't be big everywhere we've always tried to refine it over the years and then where you're trading in certain countries you think well you know you, you want to go and stick a flag in there because it might be important to someone one day and you know small countries turn into uh, in terms of sales, or could turn into big countries. So it's been quite nice actually. Montblanc coming in and finding out what's important to them and what's not. And I think that the, the, the best steer we'd have from them is, which you know, I completely agree with, is you know they've come really early on and said, look, you know, if there's any, any country where you can't be number one and sustain it for the next 20 30 years, you know, don't bother. Which I think is wow. brilliant because that's you know as an entrepreneur, that's <laughs> me all over. You know, I want to be number one, I just don't want to bother. So that's yeah. that's been quite interesting. But then. And I think I'll be honest, I think they had certain not misconceptions, but certain ideas about say potential certain countries. And they, you know, and they weren't potentially that bothered about it. And then when they've looked into it and seen the opportunity even though we probably can't necessarily be number one there or sustain it for the next 20 years, it's too good an opportunity not not to do. So, you know, so still really, as of yet, you know, we haven't managed to refine that list of countries as much as I probably would have liked to have done. It's been one of the hardest things over the years at Grenade because, you know, somebody pops up in a certain country and it all takes time and effort and, you know, translations and work and trademarks and it's expensive. And I think the hardest thing as an entrepreneur is actually saying, no, let's not do that. Let's ignore it and be disciplined. Agreed. And I've always yeah. struggled with that. And every time we've had various deals, I've kind of always wanted someone to come along and say, yeah, don't bother with those countries. And actually, no one's ever really been able to do it because we're only still 11 years in with Grenade. And even places like, you know, Scandinavia, for instance, you know, our, our distribution partner in Scandinavia is a company called Fatsa, which you'll probably never really have heard of in the UK, but Fatscher is the Cadburys of Scandinavia They've got something ridiculous like 80% market share, probably more. Uh you know, they've got they've got their own stores and and you know, they're our distributor and we actually had that lined up for them on the lease deal. So if you think we've kind of got, you know, Fats are in Scandinavia, Cadbury in the UK, it, you know, everywhere we go now country-wise, we've got best in class food distributors. So mm-hmm. places like Australia and that now it's absolutely flying because again, you know, Cadbury's well known everywhere. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, these guys own Oreo. It's the world's biggest cookie brand, Oreo, and it's only Do Did oh, I didn't yeah. know that.
0: Ah, I was brought up on Oreos. I was brought up in Canada. Brought up oh, on that explains it. milk and Oreos, mate, they. Yeah,
1: That explains where your hearing's gone and you couldn't hear me earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Oreo overload.
0: Total Oreo. <laughs> yeah. So what's Oreos
1: as a disclaimer.
0: <laughs> you you want to get that in the next <laughs> last, That's me fired. That's not, not the next sponsor, either.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're never sponsoring you. <laughs> I'm going
0: to go there. So, which which countries are you number one in? Then going back to like the the, com- the conversation with Mondelez?
1: It's a good question, actually. To no. be honest, you should know this UK, at the tip
0: of your fingers. I should do,
1: shouldn't I? Really? It's almost like I don't work here. I mean, the UK we're ahead by an absolute country mile. We've yeah. got like fifty percent market share. I've got a feeling that was something like four or five times the size of everyone else combined. And, and to be fair, you know, I, I mean mongolese were interested we actually had a few other very 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 large chocolate brands interested as well no one could kind of ignore that because you know it, the uk is such a such a good market i mean you know cad in the uk alone is a billion year of revenue just in the uk mm. so you know you almost don't necessarily need any other countries if you do the uk well and we still think we can more than double the uk do on, on top of it. So, so to be yeah. fair, we can actually just su- succeed here and it doesn't really matter about anyone else. But saying that, yeah, Western Europe, it's it's growing rapidly. So we believe we can be number one across Western Europe fairly quickly. And certainly I think on the likes of Amazon, we're already number one. You know, We've got this strategy where we wanna dominate online. So we always wanna be, obviously at grenade.com, we wanna be number one on Amazon or the appropriate, the, the number one site in whichever country we are. It's generally Amazon for Western Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we wanna be number one in, in store as well. We kind of want both. And it's quite difficult because very few brands do that. So, taking Amazon for the UK, for instance, you know we're the number one best-selling item in health and personal care, which is like it always amazes me because you've got like condoms in there, toothpaste, toothbrushes. <laughs> There's like <laughs> 120,000 items in there. We're always just above condoms, and I always just think people must like protein bars more than sex. Um,
0: must do the, the UK definitely, more than safe sex. It's probably hey. fair to say, <laughs>
1: um, and more than brushing their teeth. So we gen- we generally sat number one in oh, personal care as you do, yeah but we're number one in food as well so if you think you know and again generally you'll always, you'll always see cadbury and stuff in there so dairy milk will be in there yeah. but you know dairy milk bar that might be in there might be a pound and we're 20 quid so we generally we've given the food category online a really good spanking and then you know because again if, if food online in the uk is a funny one because when you're hungry you don't go online do you so you know we we always think you know we sell bars in stores our boxes online. And then you're know, on top of that, I mean, it'd be easy to say, well, we aren't in the UK, and I think we aren't in Starbucks, and that's about it, really. <laughs> I think we've got 200,000 distribution points in the UK, and it's still growing. Wow. Um, but you wow, can pick wow. us up, you know, at any petrol station, you know, Costa Coffee, WH Smith, Holden Barra, any supermarket you think of. And, Just you not know, and- Starbucks,
0: because, yeah, seeing them, it obviously, Costa Coffee is like my local one, actually, but Starbucks, I don't go in very often, but they're not in. Funnily enough, we had a lot of interest from in Starbucks in the US. Um, early on. And the,
1: and I and and think the only reason with Starbucks was we at the time we were sort of pretty constrained product and Costa just got there quicker uh, mm, to be yeah. honest so we've we've what one thing we've always really tried to do as well is anytime we we partner with someone and i always say we partner with someone we've you know we basically vlog them something but you know it's always a partnership of mm-hmm. you know us putting product in there and it's you know it's not their job to make it sell it's our job to make it sell those the shelves but you know they don't have elastic shelves within these retailers they've got they've got a product you know sat there that's that's moving so we've always been a bit product constrained grenade because it's grown that quickly i mean pretty much for three years we were out of stock between sort of 2017 and 2020 we just never had enough stock. we could never make enough so there was no point keep getting new listings and then saying yes we'll have a listing in dainsbury's but we can't supply you for six months Mm -hmm. so at one stage we had like retailers lined up and i think they thought we were being sort of strategic or awkward about it we weren't they were coming to us and we can't supply you so there's actually you know (laughs) everyone wanted the product but we 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 couldn't fulfill the demand so i guess in a way it probably really helped us because Demand
0: outstripping supply is always a nice problem to have. I'd much rather yeah, that yeah. Than the other way around. And is that anything, I don't have a conversation about Brexit, and I'm sure you don't, but any, anything to do with, with Brexit? And I only asked that because I was chatting to Adam from Bulk, who you probably know as well. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they were having you know, quite a few challenges early, early doors, and they just set up a new factory in Poland, I think.
1: We've got a warehouse in Holland. And, um, yeah, the issue there was the indecision. Right, yeah, yeah. Any, okay. Anything that I'm sure the police said the same anything that could have happened would have happily dealt with but you just couldn't get any sense out of anyone and of course it kept getting pushed back so we kept on you know stocking up to a certain extent expecting delays at the ports and you'd stock up and have retailers to stock up and you've got to have a buffer just in case there was a delay and you know i've got my guys saying oh let's you know let's have an additional three month stock but you don't need an additional three month stock guys if you've got a problem at the port for three months We've got bigger problems because everyone's yeah, probably exactly. starved to death at that point. <laughs> and I don't think Europe's going to let us starve to death. I, you know, I think maybe have another week or two stop. But honestly, I just think it sort of is what it is. And then of course it was like, oh yeah, it's September. Now it's October. Now it's December. And it's like, oh, fuck's sake, just pick one. You know. Yeah. So it's 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 been a bit like the COVID situation. Really, it's kind of you know in out in out in out. Just think, just make a decision. I think the again the you know the government in this instance they're always so anxious to please everybody. Mm. And under so much pressure that you can't make a decision and stick to it and maybe be a little bit unpopular but i think the the constant indecision is just is, is, is worse so yeah that's that what we learned and again as soon as it kind of came and went it was easy to get through mm. and most of these things are easy to get through
0: if you kind of have just the you know what you're dealing with yeah i, th- I thought of you uh, yesterday fully enough when you in I the was shower? Interviewing... <laughs> no i was shopping for jurex no i was chatting <laughs> yes. to chatting to a guy called Bobby Healy who's um got a company called Mana which is the only one of two live drone delivery companies. I don't know if you, if you if you've heard of them. They like I don't know, I don't know, to be honest. Ah, oh, so so interesting. I mean they essentially have an airline, you know, and they they build the the drones themselves because there's no uh drones out there that you could buy, you know, commercially that would be able to deliver what they deliver, but they they've got it live in three towns in Ireland or they deliver anything up to three kilograms within three minutes oh um, wow, i was gonna say
1: no good for my um, my deliveries because almost too heavy because i get things like machine guns turn up and some other uh, things <laughs> i'm like, gonna get box, a brand gun box there. Is ammunition
0: <laughs> <laughs> he has as well if you're listening to this podcast and not watching it he has ammunition but no well, it's, all, it's all in there don't worry because they would say that the biggest uh, the most popular deliveries that that they have um are for coffee you know, and I was thinking that like, with Costa Coffee and you've got your bars, if people are, are ordering stuff, then grenade bars as well. People are ordering hot coffee by drone. Is that, am I correctly? Yeah, this correctly? Not, honestly, super, uh, super interesting guy. And, it must uh, be novelty factor, surely. Because
1: do they not have access to a kettle? I mean, God, if he's making a business out of it, fantastic. I'm all for that. I think it's genius. Oh, they I, just, just imagine me like, um, delivering. Because I have black coffee, so it's always like hotter than the sun. So if I like if I want 100%. a coffee this weekend, I've got to order it now so it's cool enough to drink. Um, I could just imagine me looking up, oh my coffee's here. It's like molten lava coming down on me.
0: Well, he's saying that they haven't spilled a drop, and he's saying what a, a common thing people do like when they've launched in, in the new towns, is people will order eggs <laughs> just to see how many just of them they to get afraid. Twats. Just to be trapped, exactly. And he said, We haven't he said the only thing that's gone wrong, he said one thing, and that was they literally. Drop the package, and then the drone picked the package back up. And he says that each drone is fitted with a guillotine now, so it literally just can' <laughs> cut it off, and the package just just drops but you know he he's back he's raised thirty five mil for it, and he's trying to launch it in the in the u k and the u s and they've like i said trialed it in three towns in Ireland, but I think the biggest one is twenty thousand people at the moment, but they've done like fifty thousand deliveries i mean it, it, you know all those things about privacy and noise we had all those kind of questions but i mean it's fascinating really i think
1: do you know i i I am absolutely fascinated with how we're going to you know monetize or let's say utilize the you know the first 500 maybe to a thousand feet um above ground level because i I do think that's got to be the the future because you know i love driving but driving really is just Becoming a miserable experience. In fact, that was the best thing about COVID. Was driving, wasn't it? It was amazing <laughs> driving anywhere yeah, in COVID. Absolutely, yeah. Because it was like you have got the roads to yourself. It was brilliant. So uh yeah, and of course now the kind of traffic's back. You know, and the sort of the commutes back on a bit. It's a bit Horrible. Like, you know, just yeah. uh, where's it going to be? You know, in the next five ten years it's just going to be bumper to bumper everywhere so i'm really interested and obviously i fly anyway so i'm really yeah yeah yeah, in how the the drone type stuff is going to take off you know excuse the pun if at all you know because i know everything's going electric but again whether you're sat in a petrol car an electric car if you're in traffic you're in traffic so I suspect actually at one point I thought they probably would turn like the hard shoulder or like one lane in the motorway into electric only lanes. I think that's yeah. what they'll do. And then you'll have everyone sort of sat there bumper to bumper. And I think it's worth like, making you have an electric car because you'll be the only one that's actually moving anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Makes sense. But yeah, hopefully at that point our, our jet suits will have taken off and I'll be I'll be jet suiting around in yes. my one man drone.
0: What's the um, name of that guy again? What's the name of that guy? Oh, that Rich Browning. Yeah, insane, absolutely insane. A, what was it's such, Greg, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's got to be, seeing that live must be, I mean, I've obviously yeah. seen the video. You can't
1: process it.
0: No, you I You just bet. can't
1: process it, because thing is now, we're spoiled with films, aren't we? Because the special effects are that
0: good. Mm. So
1: certainly, a lot of things are ruined, it, it's quite a nice to watch something a little bit older, where there's perhaps, you know, a bit less CGI, and I think you're so used to seeing stuff through your, the lens of your phone and it has been so well done. I think it's kinda of distorted our reality a little bit. And yeah, Rich came around and um he did the uh, he did my podcast Pull the pin. Yeah. And uh he, he brought his jet suit with him as he always does and um and stuff. He's oh, I'll give you a demo. So and he literally just sort of like took off and flew around my garden. And I just filled with a bit on my phone, and I sort of shared like how cool is this,
0: and it had like 130 million views. I was about to say to you, you get a million views, but you had like 100 something insane. Oh, numbers. went bonkers!
1: Yeah. It, it it went beyond bonkers. Actually, I thought. So a friend of mine that lives in Canada, he's stayed here for, and he's like, he was watching the news in Canada with his wife. And there's riches on there flying around my garden. And he went, that looks like <laughs> Al's garden. <laughs> and then he went on socials and he saw yes. it was, and he saw my Instagram. And yeah, like the UFC fighters were sharing it, and Ricky Gervais oh, shared God. it. Really? So, no
0: yeah, way. Snoop Doggy Dog shared
1: it. I actually messaged him. You've made a- it now, Al.
0: You've made it. I know, I know. I know. It. Hang
1: on. Just half right. See some of that. It. Yeah, that probably sounds, if you're not watching this, I'm doing that thing where you, yeah, you do at school, where you give yeah, you yourself arthritis in your wrist, but um, yeah, when you were 15. But um, yes, yeah, so Ricky Gervais shared it, and it's only a Snoop Dogg, and uh, yeah, it was bizarre. I was like sitting in Cornwall going, oh, Snoop Dogg, it's <laughs> uh, really hilarious. funny. Um, oh my And God. I've done that a few times actually with posts as well. So it's like the various different things. I've had like three or four posts actually go viral for different reasons. And it, it, it's still amazing to see what a small place the world is.
0: It really mm. is. So just good to say if you if you actually vaguely interested in social media you'll probably have as many followers as the rock right now like 130 million <laughs> <something> like <that. laughs> do you know what
1: so i was <laughs> chatting to some guys yesterday i do have to make more of an effort with social media i must admit and i'm not anti it i just i don't know but i'm 45 and i guess i'm that age where i was a bit older just wouldn't know really what it was yeah. it was a bit younger i would be living on it i'm just in that for a kind of you know you've kind of got to do it to a certain extent but mm. i think i genuinely think and people are telling me I'm wrong with this but I generally think why would people be interested in what I've got to do or what I'm saying or whatever but people clearly are but that still feels strange to me um, does it yeah it does it hasn't yeah that hasn't really sunk in to be honest a lot of it hasn't sunk in yet and one day I'm probably going to look back <laughs> for about 70 and go oh that's probably quite good wasn't it but I genuinely <laughs> I, 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 you know for me I'm just I'm an unemployed well actually, uh, yeah, an employable gym instructor. I'm, I am definitely employable, but I'm just an unqualified <laughs> gym instructor from Birmingham. So, and you know, for for, for me, so I'm not. I'm capable of doing, you know, quite a few things, but I do really try and stay, you know, as grounded as possible. Someone did say to me yesterday, "You're too grounded," <laughs> but you know, g- genuinely, I, if I get up and I'm sort of doing stuff, it doesn't necessarily really occur to me to film it. You know, I try and enjoy, um I try and enjoy the moment, and I want to see things with. My own eyes, you know, not through the lens of own. And and to be fair, like, so, like I'm always, I'm always conscious of how I conduct myself because I appreciate that I'm very fortunate. I've got lots of nice things, and you know, and and lots of people don't have lots of nice things. So I'm just always conscious, you know, that I don't want to ever look crass, but also I don't want to spend the next forty years apologising for having worked hard. Um, no, exactly. either, so so a fine balance. Yeah, yeah, and and still do to be fair. Yeah, it be really easy not to.
0: Mm. Um,
1: you know be very easy not to so it's um yeah that that's that's something that which i think hopefully is probably quite common um with entrepreneurs as well i mean I, you know i don't consider myself successful and um i know lots of people i think are you know successful and they don't think they're successful either um you know and they're sort of ultra ground. it's really nice so i do like being around people who are you know humble and grounded and, and you know and certainly don't take what they've achieved or what they've got for granted because i think that's really important because actually my life would be really boring so i do like to try and look forward to things and experience things and sort of you know i kind of save at the moment because years ago like when i got in my very first car you know i saved up for a long time from first car most people do and Mm. then you know that was the biggest change I was going to get in in my motoring lifetime really, because you've gone from not having a car and walking everywhere to having a car. So and um, and then now I've got you know quite a few cars and you know nicer cars. It's fantastic and I love it, but you'll never ever get that feeling again of your first car. So I do try and what was your first car a, it, what was your first car? My first car was a G Reg Fiat Panda. A white Fiat one.
0: Panda. mine is a Renault Clio. There you go. <laughs>
1: oh, because you're, you're, you're just that bit younger probably than me, or just that bit <laughs> cooler, or just richer generally. Neither.
0: Neither. No. Um, but but it, it was a thousand it, quid,
1: my Fiat Panda, and um, was the insurance was 600, and I was on 70 quid a week at the time. So you wow. can imagine it was, a, it was a big purchase for me. Yeah. Um, and I, I did 18,000 miles, and I kept it for like a year, and then managed to sort of save up again. And then my next car was ultra cool. I had Suzuki Swift. GTI
0: Woo-hoo. 1.3 16 valve <laughs> but there's also thinking. What? yeah I was going to say it depends on the age of the audience doesn't it but there's also that thing and it's probably somebody far more intelligent than me like stephen bartlett said like if you're living your best life you're not actually showing it on social media you're actually bloody living it you're not do you know what I feel,
1: I feel that's funny enough again I made this comment yesterday and i think this is one of the things i don't get and i would be interested in your thoughts on this actually because you know i know quite a few people who are bona fide billionaires and again you know Wealth is a measure of success. It's obviously not the only measure of success, it's you know, a measure of success, if, if, if that's what you want to use as a, as a barometer. But you know, these are people who've worked incredibly hard and, and, and accumulated wealth from scratch. And you know, they're sort of messaging me and saying about, oh, you know, can you help me with LinkedIn or could you share my LinkedIn post and stuff like that? And I'm just thinking, why? Why, why do you care? Why do you want to do stuff necessarily on LinkedIn? And I think mm. that one of the best answers I've had, which I think probably is true of myself, they do feel a little bit of a sense of maybe responsibility you might think that but i think if there are people who've you know become a billionaire from scratch you know a lot and you don't necessarily know what you know and there are so many people out there and and you know you'll get this and i get this hundreds of times a day you get people say oh what do you think of this and what would you do with that and can you help me with that and look you know can you and you can't help everyone you know on an individual basis you just can't do it but I must admit, I do a fair bit of public speaking and stuff, and it is quite nice to have a room full of people, and you can say, actually, I did this and that, and that worked, that didn't work, and that's what I think about this, and and, and so on and so forth. And the amount of people that come up and they go, oh, God, that's that saved me years. I was completely on the wrong track. It's really, really, really rewarding. So mm. I do think you have. A responsibility to share some of this stuff and help people, which is fine. I love helping people, but yeah, you're right. You know, I do sometimes look and think, well, yeah, if you are sort of living your best life, why are you filming everything you do? Why have you got a camera person following you around? Yeah, you know, jumping in and out of nice cars and you know, it on Instagram. I don't, I don't understand that. So I, I tend to focus more on business type platforms, say with Instagram, uh, sorry with LinkedIn, for instance, rather than something like Instagram. I don't really get Instagram because mm. they're just strangers, and you're not helping people. You just, you are just Feel sometimes like you're just showing off. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Facebook, I just keep us kind of family and friends, really. And I try and separate it that way. And I never go near Twitter because I always forget it exists. <laughs> yeah, I don't like Who's Twitter. got time? Who's got time to get up every day and go, oh, just done my YouTube video, or oh, just gone to Instagram, or oh, just gone to Twitter? It's LinkedIn, then Snapchat and TikTok and all that bollocks. And you're just thinking, do you actually do any work? I'm quite busy, actually, <laughs> you know, to be fair. Well, that, that's so, the thing, so, isn't it? I think that people is the think thing. it's
0: work, but it's not work. Social media is not work. I don't care who you are, it just isn't work. Well, there was that kind of conversation with your favourite platform, Clubhouse, like back in like, <laughs> the, house, back yeah, in the, the spring, and all these you know people are on there literally eighteen hours a day, and then it's suddenly like, how can you because you can't even fake that. Like you're getting someone else to post for you on social media. If you're on something yeah. like Clubhouse, like an audio, it's your voice. You can't get anyone to convey your knowledge about a subject because they'll get found out like that instantly. So it's like again, are you still and then,
1: on that? Is it still growing? I've not been up near it for ages.
0: Yeah, I, I, I get a billion followers by now. You should do not a billion, but um, getting strategic on it. To be honest with you, so just yeah. choosing when to go on, bringing you know guests on, so they bring their communities on there, and that's how you you grow it because it's gone. It's it, it, like anything, I suppose. It comes and gone in you know in in waves. But I, I, I heard... Yeah, it was, the, the... it
1: was really popular, wasn't it? You know, probably... But it was that March time, because funnily enough, it, we'd just done that deal and the Mondelez deal. And then you'll know Fran from GBA, you know, really well. So Fran's lovely. And again, to be fair, like yourself, Rob Moore, Fran, there's a real handful of people that I genuinely actually really like and I'd always try and go out the way to, to help and, and, and you know, interact with. And the people I really like and respect, obviously not yourself. But yeah, and, and Fran had got no idea really about that deal happening. And she said, oh, would you join our sort of GBA? clubhouse and i'm like yeah I, you know, I can't i'm really busy and actually the deal sort of went through and then it was announced and it sky news broke the story i think on the tuesday morning and on the tuesday afternoon i mean it was bonkers i had everyone emailed me from oh, richard fair. branson and all sort of saying well then it was great and i was really like you know i just i did i never leave this chair anyway but i didn't leave the, the chair and it was really very overwhelming and it got to like whatever it was four or five o'clock and this reminder came up i thought you know i really like frank but you know what i'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna jump in this clubhouse. And they weren't expecting it, so kind of popped up. And it was like this deal was really hot. So that I was the last person they were expecting to see. And they just popped in for like 15-20 minutes and sort of said hello. And I think there was probably about 50 people in there, but it was probably yeah. really quite quite nice. Um in that sense. And that platform, because you know I like spouting bollocks, it's probably perfect for me. But it is, yeah, yeah. I, I still don't get how people just get the time to do it. I mean, Rob Moore,
0: like unbelievable i don't know if he's oh. still living in there but he's the man's back. just a machine yeah i i have no idea how he does it he's he like it looked like they took the summer off and then literally september boom and these rooms run for hours like i'll go in there and we'll literally do like 60 minutes like we're doing now but we'll do it on there with a guest yeah. or on a particular subject and now as of which is why i'm getting strategic as of like last month They've got replays, so every room is recorded. You can download the audio, put it out as a podcast, so you could be doing it in front oh, of I a live that, audience. That's,
1: that's better. Yeah, kind of makes
0: sense, doesn't it? But yeah, you know that day when that happened in March for you, talking about you know. You might not feel that you know you, you've accomplished that much, or people might not want to hear your story. T- to be sat there getting emails from from Richard Branson congratulating you—that must have been one of those moments, surely? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, so funnily I don't enough. I know you know
1: Richard anyway, but well. So, so funnily enough, I it, it, again I was I was chatting to someone about this this yesterday. So, yeah, that's one of the things that sometimes is you know probably a bit of a pinch yourself moment because I had. had an email again a few weeks ago just off richard and it it was like i I sort of read it and it was like you know dear so and so forth and it was like it was a woman's name and i was a bit like "Hmm, what's he you know is he finally lost the plot and what he'd done was someone had emailed him asking for an introduction to me and they were they were sort of fairly well-known female athlete and um they wanted some advice on sort of a supplement brand and whatever and messaged richard and said i know you know how can you do an intro and Richard then blind copied me in and said, "Look, I was in copy, and you know, if he wants to sort of talk to you, then uh, he didn't want to give my details out." And and I, and it was like on a Friday night, and I just thought, people are emailing Richard Branson, who is one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. Yeah, you know, he'd be in but the top in time, the world
0: but of all time. Yeah. yeah, of
1: all time in the world still, and has been for fifty years. And I'm like. People are emailing him for an introduction to me. It's normally the way around. People are yeah. like, you go, can you introduce the rich? And I'm like, no. No. <laughs> um, and, and and I've had, like, again, some pretty well-known, incredible entrepreneurs, billionaire entrepreneurs email and message me actually and say, can you introduce the rich? And I'm like, oh, I'd really rather not. But um, yeah, so that that's a bit weird because again i still sort of think why would they care what i've got to say i don't know <laughs> yeah that that's 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 probably probably quite unusual um, but like i said i'm still the unqualified gym
0: instructor from birmingham so um... but then but then your podcast you know uh, pull the pen mm-hmm. you're obviously interested in, in other people's stories and what they've accomplished, and and getting them on your show and and you know when you started that was was you know for me when i started my podcast it was i actually want to ask that person a question so Normally, I'd never get access to that person. So let's just get them on the podcast. And you know, you build a platform like you have. You you, you have an audience, you have a community, and it's 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 there to be used and to to share that knowledge with other people so i I, I can see you enjoy it yeah yeah
1: i really enjoyed doing pull the pin and generally it i always say it's business brand and banter and it like everything we do i don't take it that seriously and and to be fair we haven't filmed one since july so the last guy we had on stars from through dark so again you know that was like ticks the military angle for me and the entrepreneurial angle and, and stuff. And he's obviously just training and stuff. So did that one back in July. And then because we're filming in my house, I've had loads of building work going on. So um, haven't been able to have the noise, You know, we haven't been able to film. So I've got lots of noise and disruption going on. And just like this, there's, there's no parking for anyone. So that's pretty much finished now, but that's the only reason we haven't done any okay. uh, for a few months. But we have got, again, quite a few well-known people lined up to do it. Um, and you're right, you know, it, I, I love kind of just finding out how people have gone just from sort of nothing to something. I just think it's always interesting. And and I I suppose, you know, with my own case, you know, we never got lucky. (laughs) Trust me, we never got lucky. You know, some brands do just kind of have a bit of a moment in time and get lucky. I'm a massive believer in timing. We've had timing on our side because people over the last 10 years have been more interested in health and fitness. That's helped us. You know, if we were doing this in the 70s, you know, it would have obviously been a different time. So we've had timing on our side, but you know, every decision that we've made has been, you know, long, thought out hard fought decision, you know, for the most part, you know, being the right one, you know, we decided to transition, not transition away from sports nutrition, but become more of a food brand and, mm-hmm. and take what we would learned in specialist sports nutrition and kind of adapt it, you know, more for a, a mass market mainstream audience, you know, a bit like a, a, a car manufacturer would do in terms of what they learn on the track, you know, they adapt and, and, and modify it for the road. The same really we did the same so all that was a conscious decision you know we didn't just get there by accident and i would say we didn't invent protein bars but we definitely invented good ones and again we put mm. them in the locations that actually people wanted them and it was bloody hard you know imagine trying to get a protein bar in a petrol station you know yeah. you're dislodging a chocolate bar or you know you're, you're fighting it out with the the top consumer brand in the world you know the unilevers and kellogg's and cadbury you know ferrero and, and stuff you know that that shelf space is very, very, very competitive. So you can imagine if you're going in, something's coming out. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, but to get someone to give you a chance was incredibly hard. So, yeah, we didn't do it by accident. We really had to had to fight for that. And I, and I do know how we did that. And, I, and I've, you know, I've been CEO for 11 years. I'm still, still CEO, God knows how. But I suppose then, because I'm always in the detail of decisions that we make and things that we do, and there's always a reason behind it, you know, when I do interviews and people say, well, how did you do that? and I know the answer was, to be fair, a lot of people probably wouldn't know the answer. They just kind of mm. they get to where they got to and don't quite know how they've done it. But I think with
0: Grenade, we'd know exactly how we've done it because it's been bloody hard work. And who, you know, clearly that that decision to position Protein Bar as as a chocolate bar created chocolate bar that then became like the number one best-selling chocolate bar in the uk who made that? who who came up with that idea whose decision was that ultimately yeah that'd be me
1: and everyone thought i was mad so what i I know i bet they
0: did though i bet they did yeah
1: i um i didn't come close to getting fired on that occasion But I was prepared to resign over it. Were you? To be honest, yeah, because we, cause I, I, we, I didn't sort of get a board approval and did it anyway because I wow. just believed in it so much. And and it was only because. And again, it's I know it's one of those situations where you can just go back and go, told you so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just believed in it that much. And Jules was the same. You know, she she always backed me to the. Um, literally know, to the just about field. to say to you, what what did Jules say about that idea? Yeah, she she we'd always back to each other our ideas because you know to be fair we. Um, brand wise I don't think we ever disagreed on anything because it just always felt the right you know we've always tried to do the right thing and the right thing I think you know you'd always agree with and I think it was back into the 2013 time and we could see the sports nutrition stuff was important and we were learning a lot but everywhere that we could be number one we were number one and it was it was great it was a you know it was more than a nice lifestyle business it was it was doing well but it wasn't doing well enough and One of the biggest, well, the two biggest barriers that we had, um, actually probably three biggest barriers probably were most people couldn't afford our stuff because a lot of it was 50, 60 quid. And they knew it was good, but just couldn't afford it or didn't have a need for it. Because it was quite specialised. All the stores that we could be in, we were already in. So we were already in, you know, every Holland and Barrett, every Tesco. We were number one on Amazon. You know, and I was thinking, actually, you know, you you don't walk into your local chemists or petrol station and buy a 50 pound weight loss product or a tub of protein. Mm-hmm. They're just that is not there. That You know, frankly, they're never going to be there. And, and, and again, we were looking at this sort of rising on the go health and, and nutrition and stuff like that. And I was kind of as a consumer, I was sick of going around petrol stations and because I'm quite disorganised with my food and like, you know, wanting something pretty healthy and just seeing shitty sandwiches, you know, energy drinks, yeah, like sugary energy drinks, you know, the best thing you could find was like crap sushi or something. And just, um, you know, just loads of like really salty nuts and pasties and just cakes and stuff like that. Don't this British obsession is fucking cakes. Um, you know, you go and there's cakes everywhere. Everywhere. Um, and it was like, that's all you can really find. And I just thought, if there was something there that was kind of tasted really good and was just, you know, high protein, low carb, I'd buy it. And it was just that simple. I was looking at the protein bar market and it hadn't really evolved in sort of 30 years. And I thought, actually, we could make a better one. And, and we did. And it took two years. And between 2013 and 2015, I sort of did it in secret, really. So the key team at Grenade knew. But Esther at the time, again, were fantastic. They kind of backed the sports nutrition business and there's me you know when they invested in 2013 going oh we're gonna go and be the number one sports brand in the world and then you know a year later going ah, we're not gonna do that because we're gonna do this and it was that classic entrepreneurial thing i think of just like you know chasing rabbits yeah um and and i think they just thought oh god here we go uh and you know, <laughs> which i don't blame them. them and i remember <laughs> then you know giving them some of these protein bars and again they weren't the typical consumer and they were like and i was like this this is like this tastes like a mars bar and they were like yeah it does but you know we said of we wanted the sports nutrition thing so i just like i said vidit secret ordered fifty thousand bars quite prepared to pay wow. for them myself if it didn't go well and we sold them in two hours
0: two hours and for the next get six weeks
1: yeah we were out of stock and then pretty much for the next three years we were out of stock um mm. and then we just we just doubled down and and again that's what got us our first petrol station mm. um and then, you know, we got these bars in this petrol station and they just flew. And it was like so all of a sudden then this and this was the deliberate move. We had white space ahead of us. Yeah. A lot of brands don't have white space ahead of them and they don't realize it. And ours was like, well, we're in all these stores. We now need more stores. You know, if we're going to be in, I mean, at their peak and they're, they're all gone now, there were 60 GNC stores in the UK, sports nutrition stores. I yeah. now don't think there's one. There might be one at most, Is but there it, not? it's probably zero. I don't no think it's a single GNC store in the UK, and even like Tesco Nutri-Centres, there were twenty-five. Then it was going to go to three hundred, and I think now it's zero. And it's only because this stuff's gone so mainstream; it doesn't need a specialist shop anymore because mm, you can exactly walk into a, a a normal sort of you know grocery store and buy a lot of this stuff. Mm. Um, and because it's become so big online. So yeah, but there were ten thousand petrol stations. So we thought, okay, we can get one petrol station. We can get ten thousand petrol stations. And again, it's how we met the likes of and Euro garages. Eurogarages. <laughs> and stuff as well as an incredible entrepreneur um and again just sort of built these relationships and you know we've um we we we've, we've met people and i think you know with certainly with sort of Jules and myself you know we've gone out and done the hand to hand combat and people have liked us they've wanted to back us and, and and support us and I, and i learned that you know if, if people sort of like you they'll listen to you but if they trust you they'll do business with you and i think that and everything we said we do you know we did and we did it well and then it was a matter of like right you know, now it's box ticking. We're going to go and start getting all these petrol stations, and all of a sudden, then we had you know convenience stores and all this white space ahead of us. And then, like now, you know, we've got we've got Cadbury to help us. So, yeah, it, you know, it, there's still a lot of work to do. But yeah, you're right. You know, number one selling chocolate bar in the UK. <laughs> Who'd have thought that? No. And um, I became quite obsessed with that because the first time we looked, I think we were 15, which is still bloody good. But who wants to be yeah. 15?
0: No, got to be number one. And at what point then did people start showing interest? Like. Mondelez for example I, I you know only obviously after you've you've launched the yeah bar. they
1: they've always been around the likes of the you know General Mills and the, mm-hmm. the the Kellogg's and you know um Mars have never particularly been interested but then Mars went their own way and then tried to convert a lot of their own best-selling chocolate bars into sort of healthy protein bars and actually did a a good job but it was almost an impossible job because the stuff that they'd done for instance with their mars i don't think you actually still get it but when they launched a the mars protein bar i think they just thought we'll just do it ourselves. you know we, we, we don't need a grenade it wasn't a mars bar and it actually wasn't really good enough protein bar either you ended mm-hmm. up in sort of a bit of no man's land i always liked, it's like it like alcohol free beer so i, I know which is really popular but i just can't see the point. So because if I was I don't particularly like beer, but again, if I was gonna drink, generally I think most people probably want to get drunk. I think, I'm guessing. So I can't miss the point unless you absolutely love the taste, which I don't think that many people do, to be perfectly honest. But yeah, you know, you had like with their protein bar, you had something which again has still got like 10 grams of sugar in. So it's still got right. 20 times more sugar in than we did. Um and and again they were kind of a bit a bit sort of bit chewy to be fair. So they were always floating around. We had interest in that with uh, like the likes of Ferrero and whatever, and, again, and and Cadbury around sort of 2019, and I think they I just think they thought it was bad. Right. I think they thought we'd kind of come and go, and people try it once and wouldn't come back. And actually, and then the real acid test, I think, was COVID. So you know, we we didn't sail through COVID. I don't think anyone particularly did, but we were we weathered it pretty well. If we lost sales, it's because the store was shut. Yeah. You know, it's yep. as simple as that. And as soon as the store opened, the sales came back. So and you know, and again, online went ballistic. So people who couldn't buy us in a coffee shop because it was sure that you buy us on grenade.com or Amazon. So, yeah, it just went bonkers. And I think then we all realised, and I think we probably probably knew this, that health is well. Yeah. So it, it, it really pointed, you know, turned people's attention to the fact, actually, you need to be kind of taking nutrition a bit more seriously here because you've got an illness here, which, you know, I hate to say it, and I think this is factually correct to say is kind of targeting people who are generally overweight, more unhealthy, or with yeah, other yeah. underlying issues. If you were fit and healthy, you are probably going to have a, a you know a, a less harsh reaction to sort of COVID. So why wouldn't you want to be fit and healthy? And again, I think with lockdown, people went one of two ways, didn't they? They kind of got fit or fat. So,
0: Indeed, <laughs> or both. Um, in I won't say which one I did.
1: <laughs> but I, for the most part, actually, in COVID, I didn't train too much because I felt really bad because I've got a really really good gym here, and I felt really guilty that people couldn't train. So I yeah, didn't sort of. Bloody I, Oh, so I, made, I, I kept consistent, but didn't deliberately go bonkers because I, I, you know, we did have a few of my team members come down in sneaky lockdown sessions, being very discreet. But yeah, so they've they've been interested around around then, and then they've realised one of the I think it might have been General Mills actually they referred to us and i took this as a compliment they referred to us as ankle biters and, and I, it made us kind of sound like scrappy do you know a bit yeah. like ankle bit. you know, bite, you know they're, they're worth billions and we're we're there scratching away like this little yappy terrier that's really annoying mm. so i sort of thought fuck you i'll show what ankle biting is then <laughs> <So> <laughs> when, when that came back to me but not in a nice way well, like a challenge just thinking you know we're never going to sort of you know destroy the likes of those sort of brands but it was a real kick up the arse for me because I thought not that I needed one, but he just thought mm-hmm. I'll show what ankle biting is. And it was a it was it was that last bit of motivation we needed to probably go from like fifteenth bestseller to number one. And we sat at number two for a while. I think number one was Kinder Bueno. When we did the uh, the, the the last deal, I had a really lovely phone call Giovanni Ferrero um, twice, in fact. Wow. Uh, he was just yeah, he was just great, and he got the nicest things to say. And you know, this is a, a you know again a, a company that's. You know in the tens of billions and, it, and it's amazing. And again you know still there working really hard and super passionate about what they do it was amazing actually how passionate he is about you know Ferrero because again it was, his, I think it was his father's or grandfather's uh recipe right. and idea and it's amazing when you actually see these second and third generation entrepreneurs being custodians of, of mm. something you know that one of the relatives had done really powerful and again he just said the nicest things and um i'd have loved to have done some stuff uh with the likes of uh Ferrero but we just couldn't ignore the Cadbury angle because right. I grew up, okay, I grew up okay. in Birmingham with Cadbury, so you just you just couldn't <laughs> ignore it. So no. I, I did sort of send him a very nice email, so thanks, but no thanks, and he understood. But yeah, no. the type of people that probably used to get in their own way. Um, but yeah, just just you know, amazing to meet incredible people and what an opportunity to have some of the world's most successful brands, you know,
0: interested in, you know, mine and Jules, little startup, <laughs> uh, basically. I don't think it happens very often. It, it can't, it can't. And look, that probably brings us around. And know. appreciate you taking, you know, an hour out of your day. Um, oh, my pleasure. Appreciate it. And maybe, you know, last question then kind of bring, brings it round is, you know, how far when you feel like a custodian of the, of the brand that, you know, you, you and Jules started like 11 years ago. How far ahead do you plan? And do you plan on... For exit, do you plan on, you know, some kind of? I don't know. I mean, it must be a crazy position to be in. It, you know, it really it, must be. It is a
1: strange. And, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to delay the podcast a bit because it was sort of six months after the deal. And I, I've got probably a bit more clarity now. I wanted to let the dust set mm. And, and I, I definitely wouldn't have known the answer to that. And look, you know, I'll always be the same as Jules. You know, we're always going to be the founders of Grenade, no matter what happens. I, I genuinely, I don't want to say it can't fail because any brand can fail. But, you know, for the first four years of Grenade, you know, we were glad that we woke woke up in the morning. We hadn't gone bust overnight. So, you know, you you can absolutely fail at that point. I don't think, you know, Mondelez would ever or could ever let this fail. But yeah, you know, small brands become big brands and big brands can definitely become small brands. So uh, I I guess, you know, I mean, I'm clear I'm not going to be CEO forever. And there's other things I'm going to want to do and and stuff as well. And, you know, I. The one thing most entrepreneurs don't want to do is sit behind a desk. Yeah. So they've been fantastic in just kind of letting me do what I'm good at, what I'm best at. And again, we've got a fantastic team of 100 plus people, and you know we trust them to do a good job, and they don't need me sticking my own all the time. But I guess I'll always be a, a you know a brand ambassador for Grenade in some respect because it'll always be something that I'll care about. You know, because it's like it's, it's been our baby. But yeah, you know, you're right. You know, we don't own 100 percent of the shares anymore. I do still have some skin in the game, and you know, and, and I always want to see Grenade do well, whether I am or not invested in it. But in terms of the future, I think, um, you know, we've still got our plans and targets for the next couple of years. So we know what we want to do there strategically. And, you know, I want to make sure that we, we we do that. And I guess beyond that, I do want to do more stuff that again, I love, which is, you know, training, shooting, flying, traveling, all that sort of thing. If I can kind of still do that with my entrepreneurial head on and, and do stuff with other brands that I like and help entrepreneurs, you know, build brands and be involved in in, in business and mentorship and go around the world and do things I enjoy you know absolutely um, happy days because the, the the tricky thing you know with myself you know I don't have any kids got no plans to have any kids so most people will be thinking probably about you know kids inheritance and you yeah, know yeah. The, the, you know perhaps partly, you know in, in the virgin case you know the, the brand going to Sam and Holly and, uh, right. and their grandkids and stuff and it's going to and then the same with bikes of Ferrero. you know that, that won't be the case with, with me so you know we've always had one eye on you know even when we started Grenade, you always have to think about what you want to do you know post post brand because I think a lot of people don't think about that and it comes as a shock and that's actually why I've always wanted to do things like flying and things that you always need that, you, that which are perishable skills so you know you never get anyone in the world that's the perfect pilot that always does a perfect landing that can fly everything and, and, and whatever you know you're always going to get better at it and because a brand is never finished and you always want to keep working on it I wanted to as I perhaps work less on the brand, I want to work more on, you know, other sort of personal development, so, you know, I enjoy flying and stuff as well. So transfer some of those skills so that you don't suddenly wake up one day. And I know people this has happened to, and you'll know a lot of them. Well, you yeah. wake up one day and then the brand that you've worked on for decades is is kind of gone. And yes, you've got money in the bank. And then you're like, you lose your sense of purpose. Yeah. And you just think, yeah. oh, actually, I don't want to. I do now. I've, I've had literally friends. Um... Again, you've sold a business billions, and they've messaged me, and they've gone, "I'm re- I'm so depressed, mm. and, and they don't really know who to talk to about it because most people would just think it's awesome. You're a billionaire, which means you're depressed. Yeah, go and play know, golf. So, yeah, go, and, but yeah, go and play, yeah. go and play golf for. Fifteen hours a day, seven days a week. But you know, a lot of the time, that their their mates as well are still at work. So you know, and there's only so much golf you can play. There's only so many holidays you can go and so much travelling you can do. So many cars you can drive. Um, so I'm not sure if anyone's completely got the answers to this. But I've spoken to you know, I spoken to Richard about this. Um, you know, the, the likes of James Benamore from Migo Loans. You'll probably you know James. I know James. James you know, awesome, yeah, yeah, awesome guy. Yeah. Awesome um, guy you know uh, Steve Bartlett you know there's there's there's, the, there's a real handful of people that you know Moshe and that from Eurogarages there's a real handful of people I think that um have got or you know had and, and built successful businesses were just bloody nice hard working people and, and no one's really got the answer to this uh, mm. you know at, at all so I think You know, for for me, as long as I'm always kind of happy and healthy, anything else is a bonus. And, you know, as Richard always says, he's not successful. No, he's not. He's not happy because he's successful. He's successful because he's happy. So, yeah, over the next few years, we'll sort of we'll, we'll we'll watch this space. But I think as long as I'm doing the things I enjoy and I'm passionate about, I'm doing it with people that I like, trust, and respect. I don't see really, you know, and you've got your health, but I don't really see what 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 more you could do. Um, there's certain military charities and stuff I'm really passionate about, and I'd like to spend a bit more time doing that stuff. And mm. there's certain animal and conservation things I'm passionate about. I'd like to spend a bit more time doing that stuff. But um, yeah, you know, filling my day playing golf isn't isn't uh, you know, I can't imagine anything worse to be honest. So uh, yeah, that that's not going to be me. So I always want to sort of spend my time wisely. And it'd be interesting to sort of see, I guess, how the not other Grenade story ends, but we're still very much in it yeah um, yeah. so hopefully that's a semi-decent i couldn't have given you that answer back in march hopefully
0: interesting sense. So, so when's the book coming out then
1: oh do you know i get asked about this all the time <laughs> I, literally every day someone says <laughs> my book I you, um and, and again so again i've got my diaries you probably saw i put on um a link to the day just, just my, uh, 120 000 views and that's just people saying show us your diaries so oh I'm yeah the picture book. where
0: you've got all the journals and everything yeah, I'm I'm like, I, yeah, keep yeah, everything.
1: yeah. I keep everything i keep yeah, every i've got every first box of carb killer. I've got all the prototype product that we we developed. I've got the stuff we haven't developed. There's just there's loads of stories out there that no one knows about. I mean, I was chatting. People do know about this one. I don't know if you know, but you know, years ago I was in a plane crash, which is why I went to learn to fly. And and you know, you could you could write half a book on being in a plane crash because so many yeah. people
0: it walked yeah. away
1: from a plane crash. Yeah. So yeah, I will do a book. I think at some. I need to uh, I need to probably have a chat with Jules at some point and see you know, see what her thoughts are again on 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 doing a book. But uh, yeah, again, I guess. We'd sort of get it uh, ghost written, but yeah, watch this space. I guess on on a book. i Again, I've been thinking: but who people really want to read it? But again, people are telling me they would. No,
0: just one. I, I always um, and I'd like to interview him again. I interviewed uh, Richard Reed from Innocent, and I always remember him saying, "We'd literally." He, he, top guy, isn't it? He and go literally, you know, we'd signed the deal for five hundred million dollars for for coke or whatever okay. on, a, on a Friday night, and I went home, and my wife gave me this like nine pound ninety nine shelf from IKEA. And he goes there. I am stood in the queue on a Friday evening at friggin' IKEA in Croydon, taking this nine ninety nine shelf back, and he just like that. That this is going to keep me grounded having a wife like that. <laughs> see, so,
1: see, I didn't know the story. I know Richard. Richard's gone quite quiet actually. Like, and I, was in, I know he's in and yeah. they invested in a lot of different brands, but yeah. you don't really. And it's a shame actually that Fast Track is no more because I used to see him at Fast Track, and that's a real shame. I no really fast track
0: oh, I Yeah, they that. they
1: they wound up Fast Track this year, Amish oh, did, which is a right. real shame. Yeah. And again, a casualty of Covid. Right. Those those were just face to face events. And it's just not Got the it. same because mm. and actually because apologies, we tried this face to face, which I'd love to have done. So, you know, but it's just yeah, time, and, and so, it's so difficult because, you know, we don't live close to each other, but we'll probably yeah. do a face to face one at some point, I'm sure Or do a live one even better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when when Jules and I did our first deal and it was Friday night and um, we did a £35 million deal and uh, we didn't get paid because the HSBC were transferring the money. And it said grenade sale was the reference and they thought we were arms dealers so they blocked the transfer so we sold the business and didn't get a penny um so the money had to then go into escrow so i remember ringing my sort of hs i don't drop hsbc in it but ringing my hsbc account manager on the friday night or whatever and i think he was off that day and of course wasn't answering his phone so (laughs) bless him so we couldn't get off because he's probably playing golf um (laughs) and um yeah and then that night we had a we had a curry and um i had a cadbury's cream egg
0: <laughs> <laughs> boom shameless plug but true What's well, a
1: shame but it's actually true cadbury's in fact cream. i think i might have had more than one Cadbury's cream egg. So i probably bought a box of six a and curry it's because followed by like a every cream time. Egg. yeah I, I love a, a cream egg. combo and, and i know and um yeah one after the other and um and yeah everyone thinks that's not true but it is absolutely true But, you know, you still have to eat. And I think sometimes people think you do these deals and then, you know, what do you do? Just live on caviar forever. (laughs) You know, just, you like what you like, don't you? So I like the shelf
0: story. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's it's a good one. It's a good one. And like you said, he he seems to have gone very quiet because I did send an email saying, again, because we're coming up to episode 400, which this is, it was like, it'd be a really good chat. It's been five or six years to kind of revisit, you know, how the journey's going with Jamjar and, you know, what what, what they're doing at the moment. But he's gone, he seems to have gone super quiet. But
1: Do you know what, that's what I think. If you, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm not speaking for, for uh, you know, for Richard, but I'm, I'm guessing. Again, they've got loads of investments in up and coming brands, but it's not the same when it's not your own. And remember, you, you know, you don't have the fire under you. Four years, Jules and I didn't take a salary or a day off. And in fact, really, the amount of days off in the last 11 years I've actually had, I could genuinely count on one hand. If you're building a business or a brand, you know, there's no such thing as a day off. You're always on call all the time. If you aren't and if you aren't you know, physically doing something, you're thinking about it. But, you know, I yeah. can guarantee it. And it's just not the same when it's someone else's because you can you can just switch off and you need I need a fire under me. And like I said, for the first few years, you think you're going to go bust. You know, we thought we were going to lose the house multiple times. You know, we're down to 27 quid. So if that doesn't make you want to make it work, nothing will. Hence the decision not to have children because we didn't know if we'd actually have a house to bring them up in. You know, it's it's seriously why put more pressure on yourself, have more responsibility. Mm. You know, if, if, if you don't need to. So I, I would imagine, say, with, with Richard, hopefully, again, you know, he's probably got a family and he's just, he's just enjoying family time that he's probably yeah. never had because most people just don't get it. And again, um, he doesn't plaster it
0: all over social media again, too busy to be. <laughs> <laughs> doing
1: well, that. it's interesting. So, again, he's someone that doesn't really have, I don't think, a social media following, no, but he should yeah. have. And I think yeah. one of the frustrations with me with social media is the people who've got the biggest following, it's because they've spent the time and effort on the platform. But it isn't because they know the most it's because they spent the time and effort on social media a lot of people i know who actually built credible businesses been building incredible businesses and they haven't had time to be kind of doing stuff on social media as well because you know likes don't pay the rent you know 100%. it's as simple as that there are a few people have done both but again it's ultra rare
0: Steve, it's, Stephen bartler being one of them but there's there's not many yeah. i don't think you can do both
1: and, you I, I you know i even suspect with steven as well the social media side of things is, is still probably different for them because they've had, they've had a, a you know a, a digital business mm. so it, it, you know it, it, you can see how it's gone more hand in yeah. hand but I still suspect that the social media side of things has kind of you know dwarfed potentially what they did with social chain in the earlier days I mean that the nicest way I mean it's a compliment you know, I know yeah, yeah. really well as well but I think you know the I do think potentially with you know that that business. Be interesting actually to chat to them and see if they would have liked to have stayed in longer. Or again, I know again they sort of they did deals fairly early, and I got like we did deals fairly early on. And um, mm. interesting to chat some of these guys probably and see if they do things differently going back. You know, I said ser- pull the um, pen. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, Dom's I've actually, a great I've, guy. I've, I've, I've had Steve on. Pull. I need to be i Dom much. I've had Steve on. Good I was going to say, Steve, um,
0: on I, I, I had Steve on, and then I got Dom on in the summer. And um, got on like a house on fire again. I thought it was it's was such great. a nice guy. Both of them. Yes, it's a great,
1: great guy. I I, I, like I said, I genuinely like being around people that I like. And it sounds yeah. really simple, doesn't it? But again, you know, I've had previous businesses, you know, and I, and I haven't liked being there because I haven't liked the people I was dealing with necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and generally at Grenade, we, when we set up Grenade, you know, we always said we're never going to deal with anyone we don't like. We genuinely said that. And we didn't, yes. <laughs> you know, to be honest. Um, so, because it was kind of our choice. It's a good um, mantra. You know, because,
0: yeah.
1: you know, we were in, when we had our previous business, you know, we were importing product from the US. Mm. And, um, yeah, a lot of the suppliers didn't really trust, you know, they'd, they'd have dropped us in a heartbeat and did, and that's why we did it ourselves, yeah. um, you know, in that sense. So, um, yeah, working with people that you trust and, and like has been um,
0: yeah, something we've never, ever wanted to compromise on, to be honest. Like it. And um, I just thought of a last, last question, Virgin related, just because I bought some more stock the other day when the share price dropped. Uh, Have you got a seat on Virgin Galactic?
1: No, I haven't. And actually, I I I reneged on a handshake. Yeah, everyone says that. I reneged on a handshake with Richard because you made me promise I'd do
0: it. Really? I was with Peter Linney, and he said he just, he sold his about two years ago. He goes, I got sick of waiting, and I had a ticket, and I just bloody sold it.
1: Yeah, do you know what? I, it's, I like aviation stuff it doesn't really extend to space particularly I okay. think if you've got an absolutely lifelong desire to go into space and lots of people do and you can afford mm. it yeah why wouldn't you personally I wouldn't want to have spent even now I think it might have been about 500 grand at the time it might be 250 now I've, I've got about yeah. 500 I think it's probably because it would have been you know it'd be I couldn't just go with Jules and i So say you know it's like you know half a million quid I think you're probably in space or you wait this for five or six minutes it still feels again you know pretty expensive if you're desperate to do it fine there was a long waiting list and I think the one of the things that um put me off again was the the time it's not just a case of going to the U.S and you know, jumping in a spaceship and going off and coming back. There's quite a lot of training involved. There are multiple trips to training in Florida. There's multiple trips right. you do in terms of okay. experiencing weightlessness and um, the G-force and stuff. And I think you can do it without all the training trips, but I think you're running a risk of probably ruining that trip for yourself and everyone else, because there's like six people that do it with you. See, mm. if you end up not having experienced weightlessness before and you end up being sick, you're being sick over everyone who's actually with you. And I know a lot of people who train together do want to go and uh, fly together as well? And I know when I was chatting to Richard about it, probably three or four years ago, it did still look years away. And mm. I think there might have been a six-year waiting list then. Uh, you know, and and so yeah, I um, I you know, it just wasn't something that was uh, top of my bucket list. You know, to do. Maybe that'll change, but again, as I get more time to go and do things, it might be like actually I could I could invest the time in in all the training and stuff that's that's required. But yeah, time's still my commodity, so um, I've got to sort
0: of you know use my time off with Mondelez wisely. So you should, so you should. Well, I'll let you go and play with your Bren gun. <laughs> yeah, not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I've never been shooting before. My friend, friends are saying we'll be shooting what? in a couple of weeks. I'm, I'm, no, I haven't. And that they're like, sounded wow.
1: like you've never been shooting before.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: Really?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Never. Yeah, but friends. Um, so what you shoot, are you shooting? Are You going clay pigeon shooting or? Well, one of the girls who goes swimming with us goes like bird shooting and then mm. the two of the guys go clay pigeon shooting so i don't know what we're shooting but i'm like yeah i'd, I'd love you might to want shoot. to find no that that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i probably do want to Seagulls.
1: Find that. yeah no, <laughs> so so funnily enough i don't think you're allowed to shoot seagulls anymore you on the south coast i think they're, they're not on general license anymore but um i've done like you know rough shooting and, and stuff and pheasant shooting in the past doesn't really float my boat to be honest i'm not against it i just don't like using birds for target practice but and a lot of, I live in the country and a lot of birds that people consider pests, for instance, aren't pests for me. So, you know, they, they don't bother right. me. But yeah, I quite like clay pigeon shooting and I like target shooting. But I like all sorts of competition, pistol shooting. I like going to the US and doing range shooting. And yeah, I just like, yeah. you know, generally using explosives and stuff, really. And I've done loads of shooting with some of the special forces guys that we work with. And I've, I've just, even as a kid, I've just always enjoyed kind of guns and shooting i've just always been interested in it and it yeah. you know some people are against it. it doesn't float the boat which is fine but um yeah i do quite like clay fishing shooting but it's just again it's just a really good discipline it's a nice thing to do with some mates weather doesn't spoil it i've been out you know amazing sunshine howling wind gale snow minus 10 you just you're out in the fresh air and generally if i'm doing something like that as well i'm not sat on my computer doing you know instagram no, doing exactly. social media all that crap I'm, I'm just thinking about what i'm doing which is why I like flying actually gets me away from my phone yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so, um, let me know you get on I hopefully really enjoy it you just like anything. You need to find something you enjoy
0: yeah well it's out by a really well-known pub called the museum in Dorset which is meant to be like the best the best food where um who is it Guy Ritchie who there you go this brings it all back round. Lockstock and Two Snoky Barrels was it, he was the director of and it's where he goes shooting and my, my friend owns the pub and he used to go to the pub with Madonna and, and all that kind of thing and I was like that that sounds like a good story. I'll go and shoot over there. Do, yeah. Do, again, do you know what? It's a nice sort of social thing to do.
1: So I, I'm not I'm not into sport. I don't follow I don't follow cricket, rugby, football, I'm not into motor racing, I don't play golf, you know, I'm not into like horse racing or anything like that. But actually shooting again it's like a, just a nice community of people. And um, you know, I'm off shooting a few weeks in Wales with some friends. And um, again, you know, we'll we'll just have a, a, a great laugh. And there's something very satisfying, you know. We'll be shooting fairly extreme distances, like you know, a thousand meters plus. There's something quite satisfying about shooting like a, a target that's about one inch across from like <laughs> half a mile away. Yeah. Because um, again, because it's actually quite difficult, and there's a lot of factors that uh, come into come into play. So yeah, hopefully, you really enjoy it I've never really I've never really heard of anyone who's you know not
0: enjoyed shooting when they found okay. something that they enjoy. Yeah. That. Just as, when you mentioned seagull, then that's the last thing I'll finish on. What I love like the fact it? you've
1: had about like 19 last questions.
0: You like that? <laughs> this, when this guy, Bobby Healy, was talking about the, the drone, and he was saying it's the size of a seagull, we can carry something that weighs three kilograms. The lady came up with a question because we're doing it live on Clubhouse, came up with a question. Um, so, how many pilots have you got piloting these drones then? He's like, I just said it's the size of a seagull get someone
1: inside of a seagull she, she, like, she might she might have thought they meant like remotely piloting uh, them like they remember remotely piloting uh, drones. but yeah it was, like someone like sat on the back of it like Falcor. from <laughs> never ending story just,
0: yeah the image have <laughs> uh, with lamal playing in
1: the background yeah that's what you should do shooting so go to republic of ireland or whatever and then as their drones come off get you get you know get your eye in there so he'll <laughs> see the funny side
0: yeah okay <laughs> Right, yeah. ow, I've they're, they're slower than flies and a bit Three. bigger. Fantastic. Uh, well, listen, this was, this was definitely worth waiting for. So, appreciate you taking the time out, my friend. My pleasure. If you found value in this free podcast, all I ask is that you tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the Screw It Just Do It hashtag. But if you do, I promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks. I'm at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook, plus at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. Alongside the Screw It Just Do It Facebook page, this houses the Screw It Just Do It community and has the most up to date information on all things Screw It Just Do It, including all of our live events. I love hearing from you if you either message me on LinkedIn or email alex at screwitjustdoit.org. I promise to reply. Just give me a little time.